This podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Rwandri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal elders and Torres Strait Islander communities who may be listening today. Hello, Steppers, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Glitter and Gold, the original Steps podcast where we discuss and dissect the legacy of Steps, the UK's biggest mixed agenda pop group of all time. My name is Scott, and I am joined by my two Steptacular co-hosts. He gives us all a rush up and down our spine. It's Shane, <laughs> and he takes our breath away, and we just can't hide it's brad that was fantastic oh hello hello <laughs> did you love that <laughs> that was excellent i i spent a long time uh curating that so i'm glad that you you uh appreciated it well i give you a rush up and down your spine let me just reach over for the ammo bottle and <laughs> there we go let's get the episode started <laughs> there was a few other things i wanted to say but i was like do you know what? The, I mean, we'll get into it, but the lyrics in Lately are quite, like, some of it is not very PG. So, um, yeah, I've just gone with those two. Lisa Scott Lee was having her... Uh, oh, actually, no, she was with Johnny by this stage, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She can still feel herself. Yeah, she was feeling herself with Johnny before the kids came around. <laughs> Last chance, sexy times, I guess, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, um, I know that we are so excited to get into this episode. Our group chat has been popping off because Brad has just been like an excited little kid at Christmas, <laughs> ready for this episode. Rothing. I am ready. Guys, I've entered my podcast dom top era, I think, with this one. Do you know, I'm really excited to have an episode where... Brad doesn't talk about track seven. That's what I'm really excited about. Oh, I'm sure it'll slip in. I mean, we've already said it, so it's bound to slip in. We lasted 40 seconds before Amel and what, two minutes before track seven? I haven't, what about Hard to Forget? I was going to say, we, we need to do the, the three, the trifecta. Um, I did just want to say before we get into it, um, a massive thank you. The top five episode that we did, the feedback has been amazing. Everyone seems to be really, really enjoying the content. We were charting on the Apple podcast charts in like the UK, Australia, Sweden, Slovenia, who knew? So, um, they have taste. They have taste. So yeah. So thank you very much, everyone. We're definitely going to, um, do more of that sort of content in the future. So thank you everyone for the feedback and the downloads and the ratings. We appreciate it. Feel free to give us more five-star ratings anytime though. Absolutely. Keep them coming. Please keep Keep them them coming. coming. We love it. Keep them coming. Actually, we do have some uh, steps news to report. Um, yes. So recently, H has uh, did a new interview with Kate Thornton's podcast, One uh, White Wine Question Time. He talks about his recent art exhibition, his surrogacy, and confirms that steps were due to play at Brighton Pride um, in 2021, which obviously didn't go ahead due to COVID and stuff like that. Just a little Faye news. Faye's been um, performing at West End Proms. At Bedford Park, on, it's been confirmed, sorry, at performing at West End Proms at Bedford Park on the 25th of June um, with the Novella Orchestra. I need, to, I need to try and go to that. I'm going to be in the UK then. Yeah, can you please? I need to. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I'm, I don't have any idea, but I need to see Faye perform with an orchestra. Oh, you just have to. And then give her a big hello from us. I hope she does if you believe. Or oh, That's probably too much of a deep cut, isn't it? I don't think she's going to... T- <laughs> I think she's she's gonna do it's West End proms, so it's gonna be West End sh- tunes, so like, for like musical stuff. But she might weave if you believe in there somehow. You never know; we might get a a twenty first anniversary of someone like you, Brad. I love the way you think, like these deep cut things that no one's heard for about twenty five years. I hope that they do. <laughs> it cracks me up. I hope she does love you more with an orchestra, <laughs> which that would be awesome, by the way. I hope she does our dancing with an orchestra. <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone on Pop Justice would, would would be frothing. Oh, I mean, I'd pay for that. I I agree. I hope so too. Um, Claire has some news as well. She's been teasing some very exciting things coming soon, including a recent photo shoot that we 
can't see just yet. It's um, giving us a very uh, Claire Richards second album coming a moment. And it is, it is. She's been very, she's been teasing, and I, I love it when she teases. Yeah, I know. I hate it, but I love it. But um, yeah. Definitely something is coming. It's all preparing for the summer gigs coming up. Speaking of summer gigs, she's been announced to perform at the Cardiff Castle for Pride on the June on June 18. Um, and the Margate Pride on August 12 as well, which has Bewitched and Duncan James from Blue, who she's also friends with. So we move on to our lovely Lisa Scott Lee, who's the, uh, you know, what they said, the star of this episode. Um, our Mighty Hoopla's weeks away, weeks away from um, happening. We're in the second of May, so we're literally about a month away, and they literally just announced the full lineup of both days of Mighty Hoopla only a matter of days ago. Um, so we're very excited to see that. I know some friends of the pod are very excited to have Lisa Scott Lee and Rachel Stevens performing on the same day. I think they are going to spontaneously pass away when that happens. Yeah, shout out to uh, Grant or B List at Capital, as he's um, more famously known. And Lee has just been being a dad. So <laughs> good old Daddy Lee is continuing being a daddy, and we're here for it. We we also continue. Uh, I don't know if you saw on my own personal Twitter. I manifested step one being on vi- step one twenty five being on vinyl, and as a group, we will continue to manifest that as well. Step one on the vinyl. I pray every night before I go to bed that we get this vinyl. I mean, as I said before, if Danny Minogue can release Girl on vinyl, we can get step one. Yeah, and we know Fascination are all over it with the release anniversary releases like Appleton. Um, and Girls Aloud just announced their 20th anniversary, both on the same day. And Danny Minogue's coming out on the same day as well. Like June 16th is going to be like a public holiday in the gay world for all these anniversary releases. So if those can be released and Fascination are, you know, obviously doing a lot of the work with the um, Appleton and Girls Aloud, I hope that in the background they're working on that Steps final as well. Scott, I just want to make sure when you're doing... When you're doing your nightly prayers, that you're praying, you're doing it to a shrine of all the different formats of step one that you have. Yeah, I want coloured vinyl, <laughs> I want clear vinyl, splatter vinyl, cassette, different coloured cassettes, individual uh, CD, deluxe editions. I want a mini disc. I want a USB. <laughs> like I want it all. <laughs> all right, hun. I don't know if we're going to get all of them. Um, we may just get. Well, we may just get like a one release with a coloured different version, but... And I'll buy it and I'll buy every format and I'll enjoy it. I'll open it and go, oh, this is nice. And then I'll put it in my cupboard with everything else. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> to hear track seven on vinyl. Oh, oh. I mean, Brad, Brad can't wait for that. Um, so I guess, I guess we need to get into the episode. So Brad, I'm going to pass it over to you because... I can just see you chomping at the bit, ready to go. Absolutely. We're coming up to the 12th of May, and that is the one and only 20th anniversary of the Queen of the Huns, Lisa Scott Lee's first single, Lately. And as as everyone who listens to this should know... Lisa has announced a vinyl re-release of... What is it again, Shane? (laughs) (laughs) Now or never? (laughs) No, it's never or now. Never or Now, the Now or Never Unleashed Digital Deluxe Verge Edition. <laughs> yeah, the Unleashed Unleashed Edition. God, I can't speak properly. And this is actually an interesting one for me because I know Shane and Scott, we've talked a lot about how, where you guys were when, you know, Step 1 came out, when Spectacular came out. And I think lately for me, that was a bit of a tough time in my childhood, I suppose. So, like, I changed school shortly after that. I was questioning my sexuality so let's just say I had time to fixate. Mm. So it's a monumental, this, this, you, re- when you think of this song, it's a monumental moment in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of probably what sort of when we, me and Shane talk about lasting on my mind all the time and how much that means to us, this sort of, ha- is that for you? It's a timestamp for you. It's an absolute timestamp. Absolutely. So let's just give a bit of context um, to what was going on in, I guess, the pop world in 2002, firstly. So immediately after the split, Lisa was working as a manager for her brothers, 3SL. They got two top 20 hits in the UK in 2002. Which, can I just say, we do not talk about this enough because in my mind, Lisa Scott Lee was the original Mumager. Like, Oh, absolutely. Before Chris Jenner, there was Lisa Scott Lee and we do not appreciate this. She was hustling her brothers. She was on every interview with them. She was like, you know, she was their manager for majority of their um, early career. She got them, I think, didn't 3SL not support Steps on their last tour before they... They supported them on a couple of them, actually. Yeah. So, I mean... Chris Jenner was, you know, Lisa was paving the way 
for Chris Jenner. And I just think we need to appreciate that a little bit more. It needs to be spoken about more because that's just iconic moves in in my <laughs> eyes from Lisa. She still is. I mean, she Jaden, her son Jaden was on he did um Billy Elliot, I think. And he won an award for it. Very talented genes in the Shental Lee family. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she's she's definitely the mama jar, a hundred percent still to this day. So after three SL kind of wrapped up, Lisa actually signed a one million dollar deal with Universal slash Fontana on her birthday in November twenty two I keep on saying twenty twenty two. In November two thousand two. Yeah, I remember this well, because I think all three, I know you were, Brad, as well, like a member of the Gen Steps forums at this point, and I distinctly remember this being announced and her announcing on the forum and the buzz around it. I think she said she was on a train coming back from somewhere on a train. She said, I'm on the train going back from somewhere and I've just signed a record deal. Just casual, you know, queen hun behavior. Just, you know, just... Yeah, I mean, obviously, first virgin, first class, of course. This was a really interesting time. It was a good time to be in the dance pop lane because you had just had Kylie come through with this tremendous um, achievement of Fever, the last single of which had just been released in in November 2002, so she was off cycle. Holly Valance had just had an incredible first year solo career with Kiss Kiss, Down Boy, the whole, I think it was called Footprints album. Danny Minogue was about to come back. So there was really, now was her time to shine. Agent Claire had also, they hadn't had such good success, so they were kind of over. And it was kind of the, I feel like that moment was kind of the death of, I don't know, that kind of era a little bit. That was around the time S Club 7 had had a flop with their album. You know, the kids had grown up and Lisa was ready, ready to be there and strike while the iron was hot. It was definitely the era of the dance pop girly you know, jeans and a nice top with the kitten heel, chunky belt era. That was what we were moving into. She loved that yellow top. Oh my God. Another one. Um, Speaking of Kylie, a friend of mine who is a massive Kylie fan who listens to this pod was saying on the Kylie Say Hey forums back in the day, it was all like, because steps were over, H and Claire were over. Kylie was had had big success with Fever, but that was, you know, starting to t- taper off it was like oh lisa scott lee it's all all the uk huns <laughs> were talking about the new hun coming in and that was lisa scott lee to look out for the new dance queen coming into town basically that's really interesting because i because i remember the way that lisa was marketed in those early days was the move over kylie thing and i felt like maybe kylie fans thought that was a bit of an attack so it's interesting that that was the opposite. Yeah. So he said it wasn't an attack. It was just like another pop, another another dance queens coming in to to join the ranks, so to speak. But I think as well, they were waiting for, you know, the next Kylie record. They knew Kylie was having a bit of a break after Fever, after the tour, after doing America. There was a, there was a moment for a new person to kind of step in and make her mark. Yeah. And Lisa Scott Lee was ready to go. <laughs> so Lately was co-written with songwriters and producers Point Four. So Point Four were made up of Peter Day and Paul Newton. And it was interesting when I was doing research for this, I had always heard of Point Four from sort of a Lisa perspective, but I wasn't familiar with their other work. But Peter actually worked for PWL between 1987 and 94 as uh, engineering and mixing for Kylie, Jason, Banana Rama, Donna Summer and Rick Astley. Um, And Paul had actually produced um, for artists like Louise, Five, Darude and Anne Lee. Remember that two-time song? Two-time. He was the producer for, uh, I don't know if it was for that specific song, but definitely for her at the time. So together, um, Lisa collabed with Peter and Paul and they co-wrote Lately. And they also wrote the second single, Too Far Gone, and the original third plan single, which I'm sure we'll talk about in another episode down the line, um, I'll Wait For You, which is a beautiful ballad on Lisa's uh, album. I love, love, love that song. Um, And in her own words, Lisa said they wrote lately in the space of one afternoon and then they went for a curry, which is just, you know, hun behavior, really. (laughs) Also very British, very British. (laughs) Now, I know, Brad, you remember this, um, but I'm not sure, Shane, how much you remember of this. So obviously, uh, Lisa announced that she was going solo in November of 2002 And it was around this same time that the song actually leaked onto the internet and it was distributed as an Atomic Kitten song. And it was up to 
us as fans who actually heard it and kind of realized this wasn't Lisa. Ah, uh, sorry, this wasn't Atomic Kitten. This was Lisa. And I have a really cool memory of this because at the time, uh, by the end of 2002, I was deep in my Atomic Kitten era. I was running a fan site for them, Atomic Kitten International. It's still on archive.org. Um, and so two songs leaked. This song, which was tagged as Atomic Kitten lately, and another song leaked, which was a demo version of Be With You, which... If anyone has that demo, can you please message me? I can still remember what it sounded like. It was it was just sort of more like a, a rougher edit. It had um, almost like a different sort of vocal arrangement. It just sounded it sounded a lot more like the Groove Brothers edit of Be With You. Anyway, I'm digressing, but I just if anyone has that. But anyway, those two songs leaked as Atomic Kitten songs. Now, I remember listening to Lately and thinking, oh, okay, this is a great song doesn't sound thinking maybe it sounds a bit like Liz was trying to figure it out and I thought this is not Atomic Kitten this is Lisa Scott Lee and I was on the Generation Steps forums at the time and I, I think I remember posting you know hey like I've got this this demo is leaked and it's saying it's Atomic Kitten but I am sure that this is Lisa. I don't remember what happened after that. So, Brad, what are your memories of this leak? So, what I remember was that when I got to it, it was already February, March. So, it was basically confirmed that it was Lisa. So, and I actually heard the demo because some people, I guess, heard the original version, like the release version, sorry, then the demo. But I got, I'm I'm a authentic. I got the demo first. Shane, have you ever heard the demo? Yeah, I've heard the demo, but I'm I'm uh, heard the release version, then the demo kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Because how much? Because Shane, at this time, were you how like in depth with the Steps sort of fandom were you at this point? Well, so this is this is for me where Steps have always been a constant in my life, but at a lot of the time they've been up the top. But this may this was a dip for me, and it's not because uh, I wasn't interested. It was just because H and Claire was sort of on its way out, so that was the next thing after Steps. And then Lisa came in and I was like, oh, okay. And because H and Claire didn't go that well and I had experience with solo artists not going that well from the Spice Girls, etc., I didn't have high hopes. And that's not because I didn't believe in Lisa. It's just I see how these things have panned out. And that's the trend of how it goes, yeah. Correct, correct. And so I was a fan, but I was probably having one eye on Lisa and the other eye on what else is going on. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to focusing just on that for a bit. Um, uh, and that's not because I didn't want to, it's just because of the way it was. Also, I was, what, what, 2022? I was like, 2002, uh, I was 19, about to turn 20. Um, you know, I was <laughs> very, I was very much. You were at the Peel, you were at the Peel, you weren't at home on the Gen Steps forums at that, that age. I was very much going out and embedding myself into the gay scene, um, meeting lots of different people and because Steps had disbanded and H and Claire weren't a thing anymore, Lisa coming along was great and I loved it and I lived at the moment when it happened. But I also was just, my mind, my attention was elsewhere. So, you know, I was like, go to the Peel and the Exchange and the Market. Yeah, I'd go out on Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night and Monday night and have Tuesday, Wednesday off. Do you know what I mean? Like... This is what happens. <laughs> oh God, I'm exhausted just listening to that. I'm exhausted thinking about it now because it was like 20 years ago. But yeah, so for me, I had lots of other stuff going on and Lisa was part of that, but not number one like it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't, demo came later for me. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think that the demo leaking hindered it too much because I, I mean, I, from my memory, this is the, sh this is where, you know, with steps, I have core memories of, of moments, but this is not as embedded in my mind, but I think it was like at the, it must've been at the end of 2002. Cause I don't think be with you had come out. So it would have been October, November, maybe I can't, I can't really remember. It was around the time the, the, uh, she had signed her record deal. And I think that's when that she had done, that's when she started her official website, I think was around that time. Yeah. And I, you know, I've lit cause Brad, you still had the demo and I, and you sent it to me to listen to. It doesn't sound that different. It almost just sounds like there's, um, it's been filtered. So there's just like elements of the backing track are missing, or it could even be that it's not a demo when it's just filtered out. I'm not sure, but it's, it's a little different, but not too different from what we got. And look, I prefer the intro of it, 
I think the intro is a little bit more banging. It's a bit more of a build-up. I think, and we see that a couple of times where with Lisa, where she had songs that an early version was released that was quite dancey, and then they pop it out for radio later. It was the same with Too Far Gone. There was a radio edit that was released that the fans loved. It's got that different intro. I have core memories of this, and I had, like, I paid attention, don't get me wrong, like, so much so that I, w- I bought the, the vinyl off eBay or whatever it was, like, not at the time, but probably six months later, because I still paid attention, but... There was just, like I said, other stuff going on. But I did enjoy the performance on, you know, Top of the Pops. I remember seeing the world exclusive performance on Top of the Top of the Pops. Not Top of the Tops. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have a running joke that Shane can never never Shane can never pronounce Top of the Pops correctly. I can announce Top of the Pops correctly. I just get so excited when I talk, I just go blah, 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 blah. and you know I'm in my bottom mirror, so I keep talking about top. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> On the top of the Pops performance, so it, the campaign was launched in late March 2003. She did a feature in The Sun, which I remember. I remember seeing the visuals for the very first time. That The imagery in this era was perfection. She, were, like Lisa Scott Lee, the pop star, was here the hair extensions that, and it was in that era of the, I think I said it before, but it was like the fancy going out top with the um, three quarter length jean with the heels or the cargo pants, but they were like not full length and the chunky belt and the jewelry. And I was living for every moment. The styling in this era was just perfection. And she also gave the first performance she ever did, which I actually had forgotten about this until I watched it the other day. She did a, cause she performed it live on top of the pops um, a few months later when it charted, but she also performed it live on top of the Pops Saturday, which no pop girly was doing that back in 2003 performing live, live vocals. She definitely had a point to prove. It was always when she first came out, it was like, I co-wrote all my songs. I sing live. She was definitely trying to separate herself from the steps kind of image of, you know, contrived. Speaking of her styling, I actually did have a note. I loved, like, as you say, Scott, the hair extensions. She always had her three braids to the side. Yes. Light brown yep. with blonde, chunky highlights. She sexed it up. She, Like you said, she sexed it right up. Sexing up a bit, really. Oh, girl. Do you, know, do you know what, though? Everyone, I think people are really kind of um, going over the top with it because I've just grown up. You know, I was a girl in steps and I'm a woman now. Yeah, no. She was a girly for a night out of the town. She was embodying party steps, basically, but without the steps part of it. Absolutely. So when did you both hear Lately for the first time, the finished version, and what did you think? I can't remember, to be honest. This is this is what's interesting where with steps, there's really vivid moments of I can remember hearing pretty much every single. With Lately, because I'd heard the demo, I feel like it blurs. So I, I don't remember. I remember seeing the video for the first time. I remember I downloaded it on Generation Steps website. So maybe that was when I first heard the finished version. You know what? I would probably agree with you that I think I thought I'd heard the finished version, but I didn't know what the finished version was until I saw the video. And that's what I was like, okay, I, I could tell the difference. And look, again, like I, I was a little bit disappointed in terms of the, especially the intro, but it's a really good solid pop song, like a solid, you know, I am here putting my stamp on dance pop. It feels very kind of authentically Lisa. And it was a remix. And, I, and also I think probably had some of the best remixes of that era with, you know, Soda Club. That was, I think people still say on Pop Justice, that could have been the single edit. Like, Pure Club, you know. It's the what Shane, it's the one that she did in Sydney when she came to say cheese. She did the Soda Club version of Lately. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, like you, Scott, don't really remember specifically when I heard it. I would have to say probably when I watched the video for the first time. Or I just remember downloading the MP3 whether that was illegally or not, I can't remember. Um, but I remember downloading the MP3 and putting it on a CD to put in my car. Do you know what I mean? Because I had the I had a banging CD player in my car. I had the smallest car. In- you were ahead of the times in two thousand and three with a CD in your car, babe, babe. I had I had the smallest car in the world, but I had the loudest bloody stereo, and it looked like a little Mario Kart, but you could hear it before you saw it. <laughs> you could hear steps coming down the road before you saw the car. And it was that small, when I would do like dance moves, both my arms would go out each, each window. 
But um, yeah. So let's talk about the video. Now, the video for me, like, I think as someone who was kind of feeling a little bit out of control in their own life, that to me was kind of what I wanted to be. Like, she was fully in control of that video. She was like stepping into her, you know, her sex appeal. Like, it was so the the scenario of the video, obviously, is she's kind of a sexy cam model for these couples who are trying to get it on, but they can't stop looking at her. And really, it's her kind of stepping into her own image. And, you know, some of the shots in the video clip are just stunning of her, just like pointing to the camera and couldn't stop playing it. How about you guys? Yeah, I can I first say, if anyone from Fascination is listening, we need this video in HD on YouTube. Chris Fox, if you were listening to this, we need all of Lisa's videos and H and Claire. We need them all in HD because yes, the, the versions on YouTube, there's one that's been like AI'd, so it's kind of okay, but we need the HD versions of this video on YouTube, please and thank you. Um, I love this video. Like I said before, I was just here for everything with this era. The styling was just on point. Like she was just here in her, I am a pop girly. I am here. I am the pop star. I'm ready to go. She just looks flawless. I love everything about the video. I love the, um, you know, like the, the robotic camera thing. It reminds me of that show. What was that show that Jenny Frost hosted? Was it Snog, Marry, Avoid? Where they have like that the the camera yes. is it like yeah that for some reason every time I look at the video that's a deep dive reference wow um that's a shout out to Joel from right back at you he'll appreciate that um <laughs> I just think of Snog Maria Foy for some reason that show that camera thing reminds me of it I was just here I, I was here for the you know Lisa she does the um the chest the chest the breast dance move love that I love the um the outfit where she's like gone to spotlight and got some extra fabric and she's got all the holes in the dress and all the jewelry and the the hair braids and ah oh. you could tell she loved it she was like comfortable she was confident she was she was coming through as a I am a confident in control pop star and I'm ready to take on the world that's what I think of when I think of lately this whole little era that's what I think of and shedding her I'm a young I'm a young step pop I'm a young pop star from steps. She's shedding that image and she's she's like a sexy girl coming to stamp her own and 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 being an absolute number one queen of the Huns is what she was being. She was inventing Hun culture right there. That's what she was doing. And we didn't even know it. And we didn't even know it. We were no. oblivious. Yeah. No. Shane, what are your thoughts on the video? Uh all the same as both of you. Uh I loved it. It was great to see Lisa shed that step skin. And to come straight into, you know, womanhood. Because, you know, Lisa loves being a pop star. She absolutely loves it. So she was having her moment and I was enjoying watching her have her moment. And so she should, you know what I mean? She had to share the limelight with four other people for about five years. Now it's her time to shine and I'm all, I'm all here for it. And she was really stepping into the spotlight and being like, I am, yeah. You know what I was going to say? I think if I could sing... You can sing, Brad. What are you talking? That beautiful rendition of Human Touch you did on our last episode. I'd want my first video to be this. You know, it's like when you. It's like if I was, you know, coming out as a twink. You know, at eighteen. You know, like the sexy twink. Like, didn't you refer to these as Lisa's sexy songs? Oh my God! Can you please recreate this for the socials? As you like put in like a long, like get a shake and go wig that's really like forty inches long, and like some. Thigh high boots, yes. I'll get you some three quarter length jean cargo pants with some heels. Love it. We have a whole thing at work. Wednesdays is cargo pant Wednesday, so Mel, I just borrow some from one of my co workers. Yeah, it's a thing. Wow, gosh. <laughs> this is why I enjoy working remotely. I don't have to do all that stuff. Scott's wearing some right now, actually, though. <laughs> I do love a cargo pant, I can't lie. From Suzanne. From Suzanne. <laughs> Back to lately, around this time, Lisa was getting a lot of support. She was interviewed by a lot of the lads' mags. Basically, she was in the sun every day. It felt like every day. It could could have just been every week. Uh, Lots of articles where she was wearing lovely lingerie. Maybe, you know, sneaky shot of her on the toilet for some reason. Yes, it exists. Look it up. At the time, it was so... It was what the pop girlies did. You had to do FHM and Maximum Loaded. But when I think back now, the readers of those magazines, they're not the ones buying these records. So it, I always find it a little odd. And there is a scene in Totally Scott Lee, Lisa, um, her, Nathan and her PR manager. And the, the PR manager saying, you know, people are saying we want Lisa 
in, you know, sexy pics of Lisa. And it's actually, it actually tears me up to this scene where you can see Lisa is visibly like, I just want to sing. And she's saying, I want to be known for, for having good songs and being a singer, not for, you know, getting my clothes off on these magazines. And it's a real shame that when you really think about it in this era, it was the expectation that if you were a pop girly like this, you had to do these magazine shoots. And looking back at some of these photo shoots, they're pretty like people would not do that sort of stuff now. Like the photo shoots were pretty like risque, especially for that time, but it was so normalized in the industry. And I, and I can sympathize with going kind of a bit further down, but when Lisa, you know, there was definitely an era where Lisa was a little bit, you know, you could see she'd lost her confidence in the solo thing. And I think that was a big part of it where she was like, you could see she's always, you know, we, you know, Lisa, she loves being a pop star so much and all she wants to do is sing and dance. And we love her for that. And I just hate that the industry like pigeonholed these women that they had to do these shoots to be successful and to sell records. And it just, it's, it's shit that that, was how the industry worked at that time. Especially with you mentioning that, one of the other things, I mean, obviously she was upset about being asked to take clothes off, but she actually said, like, I, I've done this before. I did it for Get It On, didn't make top 20. I did it for Too Far Gone, didn't make the top 10. Why am I doing this? Exactly. You just need to let us know what you're prepared to do and what you're not prepared so, to do. I mean, I speak to uh, people in the press. People have been banging on the door. We want Lisa, sexy pics. Blah, blah, blah. Just not but a kind of artist. I mean, this sexy Lisa image is not something you should shy away from, and I felt that maybe you have of late. Yeah, because, because I, you know, I've, I've done that, and yet I still, you know, last time it still didn't get me into top ten. And the time before, when I released Too Far Gone, I still didn't get into top ten, and I did all that. And I felt shitty about it, because I don't, I don't want to be trading around nothing on. No. I'm not telling you to strip off. Absolutely not. The, the press aren't actually going to bother pictures unless they're sexy. I think that is the truth. Yeah, but then that's not my opinion. I don't call the shots. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it is, it is a tough one. You know? It really is. I mean, I, I, I feel caught between... I don't want to exploit you. No, I don't. Only, only if you want to be exploited, if you know what I mean. You know, I want to be an artist and known for singing and having good songs, not for getting my kit off. I understand that. I mean, but what, but what I've been told, and you know, is that I have to go sexy to get my pictures. I just thought of it the other day. I'm like, these people that were buying these magazines, like I remember in 2003, I was still pretending to be straight, and I had my poster. You know, you know that meme of like, my son can't be gay, he loves girls, and the girls are like the hun, the hun queens. That was me. Like I had, I had Lisa and Rachel Stevens and Kylie on my wall. But I was buying these magazines and it's like, I could tell that the other, I mean, I was buying the records, but you know, the, the main audience for these magazines, they're not going to go to HMV and buy a Lisa Scott Lee record. So I did find it odd that there was so much push for them to do this for promotion, but like what ROI were you going to get on it? Yeah. But it's a very UK thing, I think. Um, not, not completely UK, but. Like, it's very... I think Bardot was having to do the same thing. I think it was... Yeah. Nikki Webster, as soon as she turned 18, like... the It's it's all that sort of paparazzi, sun, you know, scantily clad articles, those sorts of things sell. It's all about making money and using these girls to make money. Um, and they put it to them as like, well, this is exposure for you as more promotion. If you're in the papers, people are going to buy your songs. And like, they, they you know, put it as a vicious cycle. It's a shame that... Um, it was like that, and the same thing happened with over in the US with like Britney and Paris Hilton and all that sort of stuff. And and don't get me wrong, sometimes those stars told the paparazzi to be there, but then there's also a lot of time they invaded their privacy and things like that as well. So it's pretty shit. But um, it's just the way it was, I guess, back in the day. You know, it still happens. Yeah, it it still happens, but I don't think it happens to the ferocity ferocity, if that's the right word, um, that is happening now. Maybe because of social media, which we didn't have back then. So this was this was social media, basically back then, which we didn't have. So, mm. so for younger audiences, she also continued to appear on CD UK and SMTV. She did the skits. She also did a little bit of smash hits, not as much as she would have done previously. But I think those magazines had lost a bit of their luster by then. To be completely honest, yeah. Do you know? Uh, it's interesting because Rachel Stevens. I always compare Rachel Stevens and Lisa's career, and I almost look at what Rachel's career was, I almost kind of wished that it was what Lisa's was. 
And what I found, what I, when I think back, Rachel did the same thing. She did the loaded and FHM and she did all that. But I always felt like Rachel still had the, the audience of the younger audience. So she was still very prominent in the, you know, the CDUK and the SMTV and the Saturday morning TV part. And she was never pushed as the sexy, uh, you know, like move over Kylie kind of thing. She still kind of was put in that little, in that box of being kid friendly. And I felt like with Lisa that there may have been elements where maybe there was too much push in the one direction of the, I'm the move over Kylie, see your steps. I've grown up. I'm the sex kitten thing, which, you know, we're here for, but maybe that kind of didn't work in her favor in the long term because she was sort of pushed too far in that corner um, that she didn't appeal to the younger audience the way that she should have. Yeah, and I, I think it comes back to what I said before about her breaking the steps shackles, like potentially at the time of Lisa deciding her direction as a solo artist, she's gone, I need to get rid of the steps vibes completely. And like you said, Scott, in the long run, it hasn't really paid out for her. So, yeah. And Brad, when you were saying about she did CDUK and everything, there is just one, like, I just, you know, when you look back now, like hung culture is so um, all about what was happening back around this, this time. And we just didn't even realize. And there's an interview that she did on CDUK and the CDK, they used to do video music video reviews. And there's um, Lisa Scott Lee sitting on a couch with baby spice and Lee Ryan from blue. And they're reviewing a Marilyn Manson music video. <laughs> and I just like, it's the most bizarre thing. Like, cause you just wouldn't see that now where in 2023, would you see them like, see that happening, reviewing a Marilyn Manson and Lisa's like, um, well, the makeup was nice. Like it just, <laughs> it's just so Hun culture right there. Just of like Lisa Scott Lee sitting with baby spies. Like she's inventing Hun culture and she didn't even realize that that just lives rent free in my mind. That, that, that interview. Lisa, is that your cup of tea? Um, no, it's not to be honest. No. I know, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of people's, but um, I think his makeup looks good. Quite <laughs> <laughs> jealous of his lip gloss. Yeah, yeah, he's got great lips. Should we, uh, Go into some stats for this for the song. Alrighty, so lately was released, as we know, on the twelfth of May two thousand and three, and I remember vividly that the midweek for this was number four, and it was up against. Uh, it was released the same week as No Good Advice by Girls Aloud and Get Busy by Shonda Paul, and that was awful. And uh, midweek was number four, and it and uh, the rest of the week I think I remember it hovered up to number five in the midweeks towards the end of it and then ended up charting at number six with approximately 20,000 first week sales. And it spent five weeks in the UK top 40. It also charted at number 24 in Ireland, number 46 in the Netherlands, number eight in Scotland, 52 in Switzerland. And it was number 161 on the UK end of year charts. Now, Brad, I remember you mentioning that you were, you felt a little disappointed by this chart position. I was like, and I know it's kind of unspoken of because there was a whole thing with electric about being top 10, but you spent the whole week in number five, number four, and just, just missing out. It's like when, um, what the future holds part two went to number 11 in Australia instead of number 10. Like it does like, it's still a success and you're still happy, but it's just like, oh, just one bit further. I mean, it was definitely back then, obviously the charts were everything and it was almost like, if you're not top five, you're a flop. But when we look back now, well, technically Lisa is the only member of Steps to have a solo top 10 single, correct? right? Because FaZe had one with Russell Watson and, and things like that. So, you know, she's, she's had a top, not only that, but one she wrote, she's co-written a top 10 UK selling single and a phenomenal single at that one that is still referenced 20 years later and we still love and adore. So I think when you can look back at it now, it's a success, but you know, the ch it was a fickle time in the music industry back then that, you know, anything that wasn't number one was, was a flop, which is just insane. Like number six is bloody great. Like a top 10 single with 20,000 sales first week. I mean, artists would kill for that now. You know, they would absolutely kill for it. And you make a really great point there, Scott. Lisa is the only member of Steps to have a top 10 solo single. That, 
which in itself, looking back, should not be sniffed at and should be celebrated. And that's what we're doing here today. I don't know if either of you read the website Can't Stop the Pop. It's a fantastic website that um, recaps songs from the late 90s, early noughties. Big fan of it. And they did obviously a recap on Lately. And they made a really good point that it was a really strong performance, given that she'd kind of built up momentum out of nowhere, really, at the time. Haitian Claire just had a flop. No one was thinking about former Steps singers and she just kind of came and really built it up like even in Steps she wasn't necessarily the front runner in terms of vocals and yet she kind of made her whole thing she was hustling in this era she was a hustler she was but think about it Lisa Scott Lee is a brand even in Steps Lisa was a brand like she was the blonde the brunette girl right she was also one of the very very first members of Steps before Lee uh before um Lee Fay and Claire came along, her and H were. So Lisa, when you think about Steps, Lisa's probably one of the first people I think of when it comes to... Because Lisa Scott Lee is Steps, essentially, in, in, in a person, if you're going to... If I'm going to be honest. So she had that momentum based on her name alone and was able to build it from her name alone because she is a brand inventing Hun culture. <laughs> Literally. Making history, Hunstery. As we might say, Huntstree. Huntstree. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. I got to say also, I just love, I love consistency and H and Claire did it well with um, their releases as well. I love the consistency of the artwork and the single formats in this era as well with Lately and Too Far Gone and love the, the fold out poster that I think I had on my wall at some point. So yeah, I just love the consistency in the artwork and everything that was just really like attention to detail I felt with with this um, time, with her releases. Uh, but in the UK, they didn't get a B-side, but in Europe, when it was released there, they did get a B-side called I'm Burning. What are your thoughts on this song? I don't remember it, to be honest. I really don't remember it. I'm burning, whoa, burning like a feet. Is that that one? Oh, yeah. we're going to keep that whoa. in, definitely. I can control it, whoa. Da, 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 da. Bitch, whoa. bitch, you can sing. I did I did audition. Did, I've auditioned for Australian Idol season one and two. What? I could have been Guy Sebastian. Yeah, have I never told you that? <laughs> I could have been Guy Sebastian. <laughs> That's another episode. Yeah, it could have been. I could have been, uh, who won season two? Could have been Anthony Kalia. Casey Donovan. Casey Donovan. <laughs> anyway, that's another episode. That's a whole other story. Yeah, I don't have many thoughts on I'm, I'm Burning. I, I, to be honest, I probably haven't listened to it since it first was released back in 2002. Um, so I'm struggling to remember many thoughts. What about you, Brad? <laughs> Sorry, kids. It was there. It was pleasant. You could see why it maybe wasn't going to be on the album, but it was a nice little gift for the fans. Yeah, I felt so too, because I think by that point we had only heard Lately. So it was nice just to have another song, right, from from Lisa at that point, because Too Far Gone hadn't come out yet and all of that stuff. So I think it was just nice that we had another... I remember just being excited. Oh, we've got another another song. It's cute. Like, you know, it's not going to change the world, but I thought it was a cute little bop. And I'm really excited that it's on the deluxe edition of Now or Never, as Shane would call it. Never or Now. <laughs> and it's going to be on streaming because this is the other thing, fascination, if you're also listening. I mean, obviously the album will be on streaming, but it would just be nice to have it all, like, you know, I'm all about consistency. Just get all the singles up and the, the remixes and things. That would be nice as well, along with the HD videos. That would be uh, That would be nice. Um, now, we've talked about the UK lately, but there is a little bit of a Australian story with Lately because it was scheduled to be released down under. And the um, so, yeah, it was scheduled to be released in Australia on the 30th of June 2003. And it just never came out. It was a bit of a weird one because I don't have memories of... I have a really vague memory of it being mentioned in TV hits or smash hits. Um, and I need to, we should probably contact Gavin from chart beats actually and see if he has any memories of that. It was reviewed in smash hits. He gave it three stars, a little bit disappointing Gavin, <gasps> Gavin, but I think it was one of those songs that 
you know what? I can see why they decided not to release it because, you know, one single, maybe, you know, give it another couple of singles in the UK, see if it's going to take off before you invest in a campaign to fully release it. But what really shat me was that it was offered as a giveaway in TV hits. And so I was like, I am getting myself a copy because by then it, I already had a feeling it wasn't coming out, but it was in TV hits. I wanted it. And so as part of this giveaway, you had to register and it was whoever registered, you get to get a copy of these four singles, Avril Lavigne. Like win, yeah, like win 20, we got 20 copies of this single to give away that kind of thing that they used to do. And, you know, I got involved. I emailed them. I was like, well, where's my singles? And so they finally sent the singles through and I was so excited and they sent me bloody Eminem instead. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Can I ask, who was Lisa's label in Australia at that time? Or who was it going to be? Was it going to be Jive or no? No, it was, Lisa was never signed to Jive. It was, um, it would have, it was universal. Yeah. And see, because the industry's so small here, I have a feeling I wouldn't be surprised if the effects of steps sort of, you know, dwindling down at the end of their run here, that this bled into Lisa's release as well with them going, oh, no, nah, we won't worry about releasing it here as well. Cause she's an ex steps member. Do you know what I mean? And like, and, and, and it, they, Australia was moving away from that, that sort of, UK bubblegum pop sound. We were still having pop and we were celebrating our own pop princess, Kylie Minogue and, and our own homegrown pop stuff. And like Bardo was having its moment at this time. That's where our pop was focused. Cause oh, they'd broken up by then. 2002? 2003. Well, what is it? Scandalous or pop stars were still happening. You know, we were still, you know, we were still doing our own pop thing and Australia can't focus more than one or two people on pop. So suddenly inserting someone from a band that was popular back in 1997, 1998, releasing a song. Nah, it's not going to, you know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's what I think anyway. We were in a like emo era. Remember it was like all about, it was Avril Lavigne and it was yes. very like Evanescence. They were like all over radio. Oh. There wasn't room for a, a pop girly with, you know, nice jeans, uh, was it jeans and a nice top to come in and try and release her music here because we already had a pop girly doing her own thing on the world stage and that was, that was a homegrown hero. Yeah, the, so yeah, the Lately in Australia was weird because I actually bought the 12-inch single from HMV in Burke Street. So I'm, I know both of you boys remember that sh- shop. That's where I got the vinyl from as well. Oh, yeah. So I remember I went... You remember you used to go up the escalator to the right? There was that little dance section. Oh, my God. I missed that shop so much. Like, oh, my God. Um, And I remember b- buying it. I remember buying it at the time... Uh, around this time. So I wonder if the... Because we managed to get hold of, like, an ARIA chart... Um, facts uh, PDF thing that was sent to like media back in the day and at least the release date for this and I just wonder if maybe in the end the label just released it on 12 inch only just for like DJs and clubs and didn't bother with the single because I never saw it on TV or radio or anything so I don't yeah but I do remember it wasn't imported like I've still got the vinyl now it's got the $16 price sticker on it which was the standard price for 12 inch singles back then so yeah I bit of an odd one, but uh, at least I was able to, we were both able to buy it in store in some way, I guess. I just wanted to get, Brad, I wanted to ask you, at the start of this episode, you said that um, at the time of your life that this song came out, stuff was happening for you. Can I ask you, are you able to tell us a bit more about that? What was going on? Like when you said you were discovering your sexuality and stuff like that, do you want to elaborate? Yeah, so essentially what had happened without going too much into detail is... I had had a sleepover with a friend and essentially what happened was I left that um, plaything. I, I left that sleepover. We both went to separate birthday parties. He was one of my closest friends. He told everyone that I was gay. Mm. And based on things that hadn't actually, the the thing that shut me off with that was based on things that hadn't actually happened. Right. Like he, he had said things that even as an adult, I hadn't done for a long, long time. But he basically made a whole bunch of shit up. And I thought he was one of my closest friends. I left Saturday, Sunday morning with one of my good friends. And then on Monday, everyone hated me. Oh, that's... I'm sorry. That's terrible. And this was... Yeah, this was April. So I would have been 11 going on 12. And this would have been March, April 2003. Because we went on school camp on May 12, May 19th, 2003. So right after... Like, I remember waking up and checking Lisa's chart position on bbc.co.uk. Right. So, sorry, you were saying you're 11 or 12 years old? Yeah. Oh, that Kids are fucking so cruel sometimes. Um, 
sorry to ask you that. I just was like, no, no, no that's no. I I think that's and you've shared a lot and. Well, no, it, that's why it resonated with me that like that this song's come out at this time at a pivotal moment where you've felt like shit and caused by someone else and out of control and this is sort of giving you something to focus on uh, and escapism as i've mentioned before steps lisa these these songs that come in and time stamp themselves into our lives give us that moment of escapism and help us take us out of that shit moment for a second and i i hope you don't mind me asking you about that on this podcast because i i think there's some people that will listen to this and resonate with it and i think it's great for you to share that with the rest of us i think lisa stepping into her power was really kind of important for me to see in that moment but she, i mean as you say queen of the huns hun culture she is basically a gay man in a woman's body let's be honest <laughs> and i could resonate with that wanting to you know step into my own power and i wasn't able to do that then obviously you know being 12 you know it was a long it was a good few years before i was able to but I think that's why, you know, this episode in particular, you know, you, I think you both mentioned, you know, I was really excited about this. I was, you know, practicing different versions of the intro. I had all my notes. I had notes we didn't even need. The group chat was popping off with Brad's excitement for this episode. And it's because I was so present during that time. I think, Scott, you mentioned that, you know, you remember things so clearly. And this was that period for me where, you know, this was your, this was your lasting on my mind. Correct. For, for, you know, for Shane and I, we have, and for me, you know, lasting my mind for me means, um, you know, similar things in a way to you and to Shane and, um, sorry, lasting my mind means similar things to me that lately means to you, you know, in certain ways. So I love that this is a timestamp for you in your journey and your path to who you are. And the fact that again, you know, steps, you know, they're not just a band to us. They're, 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 they've been with us through most of our lives, through pivotal moments in our lives. And they were our escapism through these moments in, and shitty times in our life. Um, so I love that this is so important to you. And in ways that I didn't realize, you know, when we've been talking about this, I just thought you were just, you're just loving, you know, loving the song and didn't realize how monumental this song actually is in a moment in your life. Yes. And think for those who are listening who you know maybe are listening listening to this in private maybe you know are still in the closet or whatever i do just want to say you know it does get better i was able to move schools i was able to kind of start again and eventually you know come out and live my best life we love that thanks for sharing that by the way i appreciate it no worries all righty thank you for listening everyone to another episode of glitter and gold don't forget to give us five stars give us a great review on apple Podcasts or a star rating on spotify or any platform you listen to us on just give us all the reviews and all the stars that you can you can follow us at Glitter Steps Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can follow myself at Steps Collection underscore underscore on Instagram. Brad, where can the fans follow you? Well, they can see my impromptu lately photos at Brad Schmerling on Instagram. Shane, how about you? Uh, you can follow me at Stepmeister on Instagram or Stepmeister OZ on Twitter if you want to follow me there. Amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, see you soon. Bye. Bye.